Well, I got some bad news for you. You've been coloring your pictures wrong all these years. All of those pictures, and I've seen the pictures that you colored when you were in when you were in Sunday school when you were little. They're probably still hanging on somebody's refrigerator, right? Those all those pictures. You've colored them all wrong, especially your pictures of Daniel in the lion's den. Because I've seen your pictures of Daniel in the lion's den, and I've seen the way that you colored Daniel as this adorable young man with perfect peach skin, long flowing brown hair, and that's that's just not right. Because if you read through the book of Daniel, if you look for those little markers that tell us how much time has passed, when Daniel goes to the lion's den, he is 90 years old. Not the young man we meet in chapter 1 or that we're going to see again today in chapter 2. He is 90 years old. Can you imagine it? Being 90 years old and facing the biggest challenge of your life, the biggest challenge of your faith. I want to know what kind of character allows someone to do that at 90. But even more, I've got a few years to go before I get to 90. I want to know what kind of character develops in a man over his lifetime that allows him to be that kind of man at 90. What kind of character allows him to take that kind of stand? What do we see in Daniel as he grows and matures and repeatedly takes stands for his faith? Who is he at 20? Who is he at 21 that allows him to be that man at 90? What is he like with his life before the lions? So when we met Daniel last week in Daniel chapter 1, he was about 20 years old. He was taken from his home in Judah and he was taken to Babylon about a thousand miles away from his home in Judah. And there, he and his friends established themselves as advisors to the king. If you remember in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, it said that in matters of wisdom and understanding, in the things that the king needed to know about, and in the, the things that the king needed to do, how he needed to handle various situations, in matters of wisdom and understanding, Daniel and his friends, their advice was ten times better than anyone else's. And we asked ourselves the question, when we interact with our world, how can we do it in a way that's ten times better? How can we have ten times more love, ten times more grace, ten times more of the character of Jesus Christ? Well, today we're in Daniel chapter 2. It also begins, if you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it's on page 737. And it's a year later. Daniel is now probably about 21 years old. Daniel and his three friends that we, we call, or they're called in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and his three friends, are they've established themselves as wise men and advisors. That sounds like a pretty cushy job. Wouldn't that be great? Just to be there as a, a wise man or advisor to the king, that's a, that's a great, easy job until you realize that the king, the king is nuts. And he's just, he's just a little unhinged. And so being a, an advisor to the king could be a very dangerous job. And we start off there in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. And then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. And so they came in and stood before the king. Let me give you the condensed version. Let me give you the Reader's Digest version of what's going to happen in this chapter. 
All of these magicians, all of these enchanters, they are supposed to have secret knowledge. They are supposed to be able to speak to the spirits, to speak to the gods, right? That, that, that's their job. They, they communicate with the spiritual realm. And so in verse 4, the magicians and the enchanters, they tell the king, well, if you tell us what your dream was, then we will tell you what the interpretation is. We'll tell you what the gods are trying to say. The king doesn't want to do that. Instead, the king says, no, since you can speak to the spirits, you tell me what my dream was. You tell me what it was that I dreamed about, and then you tell me the interpretation of the dream. The king figures, if you can talk to spirits, you can tell me what my dream was. But they, they can't. And so what good are they, really? Verse 12 says, because of this, the king was angry. He was very furious, and he commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. I want you to notice the word all the wise men of Babylon. That includes Daniel. That includes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of them were going to be destroyed. Then in verse 13, it says, So the decree went out, and all the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. You know, there are going to be times when you find yourself in a conversation with a very unreasonable person. Has that ever happened? Has anyone ever found themselves in a conversation with an unreasonable person? Anyone? You know, if you're not raising your hand, there's a good chance you are the unreasonable person, okay? Your friends probably don't want to tell you that, but if you're not raising your hand, there's a good chance you are the unreasonable person. Well, that's what's happening to Daniel here, but even worse, this unreasonable person is the king, and he's a little nuts, and he could actually have Daniel, he wants to have Daniel's head. So how do you speak with confidence in a situation like that? How do you avoid going completely emotional, and how do you speak with clarity on target and confidence for what you know to be true? How do you speak for what you have to stand for in a situation like that? Well, that's, that's the lesson we learn from Daniel. That's what Daniel shows us here. His character teaches us some valuable lessons on how to interact with the world around us. And like Daniel, if we want to be heard by the people around us, we need to learn to speak in such a way that allows us to be heard. You know, it, it's one thing to know what you believe. I, I think all of us know what it is that we believe about certain issues and, and about, about our faith, about the things that we stand for. But it's another thing to be able to communicate that with clarity. And one of the big problems we have in our world today is everyone has a voice. Everyone has something to say. You turn on the TV, there are 24-hour news channels. 24 hours a day. They've got to fill that with something, so they fill it with people's opinions, and they fill it with this view, and they fill it with, with that view. And then you go online, and you've got Twitter, and you've got Facebook, and, and everyone has something to say. And, and somehow we've gotten the idea that if I want to be heard, I have to be loud. Uh, being loud is what it takes to, to be heard. If I'm loud, I get more attention. If I'm loud, I get more likes. I get more shares if I'm loud. Pe more people following me. But does loud equal clarity? 
Daniel's head was on the line. And all the likes and the shares in the world wasn't going to change that. Being loud wasn't going to change that. So, so what's going to fix it? Look on in verse 14. <clears throat> verse 14, Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he declared to Arioch, the, cap, the king's captain, why is this decree of the king so urgent? And then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. It wasn't about the volume. It was about the way Daniel answered him. He answered with prudence and discretion. If you're reading from the NIV, it says he answered with wisdom and tact. That first word, prudence or wisdom, it's an unusual word. It's the only time that word is used in the entire Bible. The only time it's used in the entire Bible. It's not the typical word that we have for wisdom in the Old Testament. So what kind of wisdom is this? This is wisdom this is wisdom about how to talk about this is wisdom about knowing how to talk to that one person. You know what I mean? It's wisdom about knowing how to talk to that one person. Chris, you're right there. I'm going to use you as an example, okay? Doesn't matter whether you want me to or not. It's still going to happen, Chris. <laughs> Let's say that Chris is upset about something. Chris has got his hackles up. He's really really upset, and we're all worried and we all say Oh, what are we going to do? Chris is really upset. How are we going to talk to Chris? And I say, you know what? I went to high school with Chris. I've known Chris better than half my life. I've known Chris for a long time. Chris and I have been through some stuff together. We actually roomed together at camp and stuff like that. I know how to talk to Chris. That's the kind of wisdom. That's, that's what Daniel is talking about here. That's the kind of wisdom, the kind of prudence that, that is being mentioned here. It's about knowing how to talk to that one person. Now, I don't get that kind of wisdom unless I spend time with Chris. I don't get that kind of wisdom unless I invest some time in knowing Chris, knowing what concerns him, and respecting him. Thank you, Chris, for letting me use you in that way. Now, the other word is discretion or tact. And this isn't so much about Chris as it is about me. This is about my abilities. Do I comprehend the issue that we're discussing? Do I understand the problem? And do I have the kind of judgment? Do I have good judgment to address it correctly? You know, I think this may be a novel concept, but not all of us understand every issue in front of us. Not all of us understand every single issue that's, that's at the forefront in culture and whatever's being discussed this week on the news. Not all of us get it. And not all of us have, have, have the ability to speak about a particular, a particular issue. Not all of us have an opinion. I don't have opinions about everything and, and, and neither do you. That's probably a unique thought. <laughs> but not all of us have the ability to speak and to say something. You know, it, we think we do. We think if we just throw some nice words together and maybe put a nice picture behind it, people are going to like that. They're going to share it. They're going to post it on Facebook for us. You know, it's going to go viral. But you know, there, there are times when we just don't have a handle on the issue. And in those times, it's best that we act with discretion. It's best that we act with 
attacked, and maybe it's best that we not say anything. Can you speak in such a way that allows you to be heard? Can you speak with clarity? Can you speak with conviction? And do you have the right to speak into someone else's life? Have you spent the time with that person to where you have the right to speak and, and be heard by them? There was something I learned a long time ago, and I found this to be usually true. In matters of disagreement, when you're disagreeing, when you're in a disagreement with someone, this is what I found to be true. The first person who yells has lost the discussion. The first person who yells has lost the disagreement. Now, I've learned that by doing a lot of yelling. My wife's not here right now, so I can... But I've, al I've also learned that by being yelled at. That's why I'm glad she's not here. I don't want you to tell her this, but she, she yelled at me. But I've learned that by being yelled at. And I've learned that by, by doing a lot of yelling. The first person to yell, the first person to get emotional does not really have a handle on the discussion. And if, we can't get, if you can't get your point across with, with prudence and discretion, with wisdom and tact, then yelling is not going to help. Learn to speak in a way that allows you to be heard. Daniel did that. But one of the things that you can't miss is that he didn't do it alone. And, and that's a very valuable lesson for us all. If you try to stand alone, you will fail. If you try to stand alone, you will fail. Verse 16, Daniel requests an appointment with the king. He's going to go see the king. He's going to answer his question. He's going to tell the king what his dream was. That's very, very brave. But don't think that Daniel's bravery was all about him. Look at verses 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Remember, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He made the matter known to his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You know, as much as we look at Daniel and we see his character, and we want to credit his character. We want to credit his wisdom and his commitment to God. Those things are all outstanding. You cannot miss that he knew better than to stand alone. He knew the value of his friends. He knew that they had his back. And so he goes to his friends and he says, I want you to pray to the God of heaven about this matter. It's important that we stand with our friends. Bill W. was just a drunk. He was a drunk. Bill W. one night was going to the bar, and instead of walking into the bar, he went to a payphone, and, and he got on the payphone and he called his friend Dr. Bob, who was also a drunk. And instead of going to the bar that night, Bill W. and Dr. Bob decided to get together and hold each other accountable, and they started meeting together, and then they found a bunch of other drunks to meet with, and they started meeting together with them. And today we have Alcoholics Anonymous. Millions of people who know the value of holding each other accountable with those tough issues of being there, of being the person who's going to pick up the phone when, when, when things are just about to come unraveled in your life. They know the value of, of supporting each other and encouraging each other. We see that same example through the Scriptures. We see that example with Jesus and how many times in the Gospels He gets Peter and James or Peter and, and, and James and John together and goes to a quiet place to pray because he needs to be alone with them. You see it in the Apostle Paul. You see it all the way through the book of Acts as Paul travels with his traveling companions. And you get all the way to the last letter that Paul writes, 2 Timothy 
And in 2 Timothy, at the very end, he says, get Mark, get Mark and bring him with you because he is valuable to me. Paul knew the value of standing with others. So, so why don't we? Why do we try to go it alone too often? Why do we keep, keep our struggles to ourselves? We don't share with, anybody, with anyone else. We try to go alone. We don't talk about our challenges. We don't talk about our fears. We don't open up and share. And even the people who are closest to us, they don't know the troubles that we're facing. They don't know what we're struggling with. Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Now, keep in mind, these guys are affected too. If they're coming for Daniel's head, they're, they're coming for their heads also. Daniel calls them together to, to pray for him, to seek mercy from God. We need people praying for us. We need people encouraging us. We need people who will stand and support us. One of my favorite passages of Scripture has always been Ephesians chapter 6. It's there in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul gives us the armor of faith, the, the armor of God. And, I, and as a kid, reading through that over and over again, I just love that imagery of a, of a Christian as a soldier standing and, and protected by this armor that God has given us. We, we talk about the breastplate of righteousness. We talk about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. We've got all of these, all these elements of the armor that come together. But, but when Paul wrote that, he never intended for Christians to stand alone. He intended for us to, to stand together. In fact, he, he wraps up that in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and immediately closes that passage by saying in verses 19 and 20, he says, pray also for me. Pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and pray that I may declare it boldly as I ought to. What's Daniel going to his friends asking? Pray for me. Pray for the boldness I need. Pray for the wisdom I need as I declare this mystery to the king. Pray that I speak it the way I ought to. If you stand alone, you will fail. Make sure you stand together. Make sure your friends know your struggle. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. <laughs> In a couple of weeks, we're having a potluck. And, you know, I, I appreciate the potlucks especially. I, I really do appreciate the potlucks but October is pastor appreciation month and and I can't say that without telling you how much I appreciate you because many of you are genuinely concerned about me and you're genuinely concerned about my family and you ask very often how we're doing how things are working out you ask about how things are going with Connor and and you and you tell me that you're praying for us and we need that we love that but I have to tell you something else that I appreciate about you I appreciate how you care for each other I appreciate how when, when someone is hurting, there are other people in this congregation who are there. When someone's in the hospital, there are other people who are going to the hospital as well because I can't do it all. The elders can't do it all for you. We stand together. We strengthen each other because if we try to stand alone, we will fail. And you know, that's all the more important in a culture that sometimes makes it difficult for us to live out our faith. We need to stand together. We need to speak clearly but never forget that, that our ultimate responsibility is to make God known. That's our ultimate responsibility, is to make the message that we have known. Whenever you, you listen to the arguments and the battles that, 
that people fight with words and ideas, whatever the latest issue is. And my goodness, it's been it's been a loud week, hasn't it? With everything that's happened in, in Las Vegas and everything is being discussed since then. Whatever the latest issue is, far too often people people just want to be heard, and they get loud because they want to be heard. They get obnoxious. Because they want to be heard and, and they want people to know that they're right and, and you're wrong. But you know, it, it's not always about being right. It's about being faithful. It's about being true to your message and, and true to your God. So God did reveal to Nebuchadnezzar, or did, did reveal Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel. And Daniel got that appointment with the king. And then you move on into verse 25. It says, Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. And he said to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who can make known to the king the interpretation. And the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Remember, they gave Daniel a Babylonian name. He declared to him, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Here's, I want you to hear Daniel's response because this isn't about saving his neck. This isn't about saving the, neck of, the necks of his friends. It's about declaring to King Nebuchadnezzar there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's, that's still our message. That's still our focus. As much as other issues might occupy our thoughts or, or occupy the interest of, of the media, the attention of the media, you can't forget that we are here to make Jesus Christ known. We cannot abandon that message for anything else, no matter how emotionally tied we might be to any other cause. There are a lot of great causes. There are a lot of great things that we can do as a church. Every, every Wednesday, we feed a bunch of high school kids. It's, it's the highlight of my week to see the people come and serve. I think it's the highlight of those kids' week that they get to come here and they get to share that meal. They get to spend some time together. I think it's just one of the most wonderful things we can do. Uh, we get involved in our community through the, the food pantry. We feed a lot of people. We, we've done wonderful things this week with the generous bucket and being able to help a family that had a tremendous need and just give them a little peace and give them a little help. We do some amazing things helping families that are, that are dealing with addictions. We have an amazing support group that gets together and cares and prays and, and cries and, and laughs together. And when it comes to missions, we do some amazing things. This month, a little later this month, uh, fame is going to be with us. They do some amazing things, incredible medical work throughout the world. But everything else that we do is secondary to making Jesus known. That is our message. That is our mission. You know, it's not always about being right on all the other issues. It's about being faithful to that one message. And if you're so loud about your political position or your views on, on this or that issue, if you're so loud about those views that, that your view of Jesus can't be heard, if you're so loud on your political position that you say nothing about Jesus, then, then why are you here? What are you promoting in Ultimately, who is your God? We have a message that brings life. We have a message that promises eternity. Don't ever 
forget that. Don't sacrifice the message of the cross of Jesus Christ for your opinion on some other matter. Now you can read all about King Nebuchadnezzar's dream yourself. You can, you, can, uh, you can go through all of that, but I want you to see the end of the story. Look at verse 46 there in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 46 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. By the way, the only, the only time you, you did that was when you were in the presence of a god. He's actually offering worship to Daniel in this moment. Verse 47, Then the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery to me. Then, I want you to notice, it's not just that the king is impressed with Daniel's knowledge and Daniel's ability. He's impressed with Daniel's God. This pagan king praises Daniel's God and he declares that he is above all other gods, that he is above all kings. And then for Daniel, he he says in verse 48, the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. This was the king's idea. Since Daniel's this good, let's give him, uh, let's put him in charge of everything. Let's just make him in charge of everything. What an awesome opportunity for Daniel. But instead, what does Daniel do? Look at verse 49. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Daniel passes his promotion on to his friends, and he stays right where he is, right where he knows how to be useful. He stays in a place where he knows the people, where he he knows their concerns, and where he knows how to speak to them with prudence and discretion he knows their hearts and they know his message and so daniel stays right there where he can point them back again and again to god that's daniel that's his character that's the character that makes us effective that's character that allows us to speak with confidence and bring clarity to our message daniel shows that sometimes it's not about getting the better job Sometimes it's not about getting the better job or moving to the bigger city or you know living it up in, in the high life. Sometimes it's not about moving to the bigger church, the bigger place. It's about knowing the people you work with. It's about knowing the people that you worship with. It's about knowing how to speak to them. It's about knowing how to speak to their hearts. And it's about knowing that they've got your back. That's the people that Jesus needs today in this place, in this community with the struggles that we face. Let's be people who can meet the challenges of our culture, the challenges of our community, with the confidence that we have in our God. Let's stand together and pray. Father, the character that we're building today will determine whether or not we're able to stand when the real challenges come. And I pray that through the words that we use, the people that we stand with, And the message that we stand for, our commitment to you is clearly seen and known by the people around us. There are a lot of issues occupying the minds and attention of our community and and of our culture. But there is only one God. There is only one Savior. And there is only one hope for eternity. No matter what else we stand for, 
please let us never forget that first and foremost, we stand for Jesus. And if we fail to stand for Him, then nothing else will matter. And it's in His name we pray.